We're going to be reading from John 18. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the place of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfil what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. We're going to continue reading, and this one's going to be from John 19. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And, as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Well, 
Good morning. Let me add uh, my welcome to that of Pete's. Uh, my name is James Lewis. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister here at Norwest. Uh, it's an absolute delight to have uh, us all here together on this very special day. Uh, there is so much hope at Easter. That's our theme for this year. Uh, so will you join with me as I pray? Lord God, we want to thank you this morning for the wonderful irony that the day that we celebrate Jesus' death is called Good Friday because of what he won for us, what he achieved for us, that life, that forgiveness, that salvation. And so, Lord, we don't want this time to be wasted. Each of us have set aside an hour or so to come together this morning. Lord, we don't want this time to be wasted. Will you please help us all to see so clearly to grasp really deeply just how amazing and gracious and merciful Jesus is. Grasp that salvation that he achieved for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll begin with a story. Uh, Rabbi Isaac Lichtenstein lived uh, in Hungary in the 1800s. And and like most uh, Jews in Europe at that time, Uh, He suffered great ridicule and mockery and persecution from people who called themselves Christians, so-called Christians. Um, And so one day when a student handed him a New Testament, a New Testament Bible in the street, he took it home. But when he got home, he flung it uh, behind a bookcase in his study. And there it gathered dust for some time. Uh, He stumbled upon it uh, a little while later and he took it up and began to read it. Understandably, he read it with great hurt and anger in his heart. He read looking to pick holes in this book. But listen to what he found as he read. I had thought the New Testament to be impure, a source of pride, of overweening selfishness, of hatred, of the worst kind of violence. But as I opened it, I felt myself peculiarly and wonderfully taken possession of. A sudden glory, a light flashed through my soul. I looked for thorns and gathered roses. I discovered pearls instead of pebbles. Instead of hatred, love. Instead of vengeance, forgiveness. Instead of bondage, freedom. Instead of pride, humility. Instead of death, life, salvation, resurrection, heavenly treasure. You can see how the words pour from his heart onto the pen and onto the page. So what are you looking for today? What are you looking for today as you've come into this building on Good Friday, you've set aside this hour or so to come together, what are you hoping to find today? Thorns or roses? Pebbles or pearls? Hatred or forgiveness? Slavery or freedom? The reason I ask is that as Jesus died on the cross, he uttered three words. I don't know if you noticed them as Sophie read for us before. It is finished. Those words are so full of power and hope, aren't they? So what do they mean? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Well, not yet, at least. Because the question still stands before us. The question we need to answer is, what are you looking for today? Perhaps you came here last Good Friday or the Good Friday before. Another Easter comes, another Easter goes. What are you you hoping to find today? Because you can hear those amazing words, it is finished and still look for thorns. 
still be determined to dismiss and reject Jesus. Or you can hear those amazing words, it is finished, and still look for pebbles. Just write Jesus off as a good man. So what are you hoping to find today? Well, two scenes in our readings today help us with that. They give us two locations, two conversations. Uh, The first one is kind of uh, front stage. And this is Pilate outside his palace with the crowd and the religious leaders before him. And that conversation, that's front stage. And then there's kind of uh, backstage, which is Pilate inside the cool and quiet of his palace. This conversation with Jesus. Two conversations, two locations, front stage, backstage. So let's go front stage first. Let's go outside the palace. Pilate stands before the religious leaders, the crowd before him. And you need to know as we begin that the religious leaders have already decided what will happen to Jesus. They decided he must die. And so they're going to push and manipulate and press Pilate into killing Jesus. But what they won't, don't realize will happen, we'll, we'll see it happen. What they don't realize is going to happen to them is that it will twist their thinking. It will distort them and they will betray them very selves. Look at verse 28 with me. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas, the high priest, to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not want to enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. Do you see how ridiculous that is? They're worried that contact with a Gentile, a non-Jew, the Roman governor, will mean that they are ceremonially unclean and unable to eat the Passover. So, so they're worried about being ritually unclean while they're dirting themselves with the blood of Jesus. They're worried about religious purity while they're covering themselves in the filth of injustice. And so Pilate says, what charges are you bringing against this man? <laughs> if you're not a criminal, they replied, we would not have brought him over to you. That's not an answer. What charges are you bringing against him? He's a criminal. It's not an answer. No trial, no evidence. We, we've decided that he's a criminal. And so Pilate says, take him yourselves and judge by him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. Aha, <laughs> they need Pilate to do their dirty work for them. So begins the threats and pressure and manipulation as they push and push Pilate to execute Jesus. We saw in the video, didn't we, that they want a guilty man, a murderer, Barabbas released, and an innocent man, a good man, Jesus, executed. And then comes the final self-betrayal. They shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Did I read that correctly? Were you following along on the screen? Did I, did I make a mistake? Did, did, I read that correctly, right? They really said that. We have no king but Caesar. Really? What, what about God? Don't, don't you worship God as the king of the universe? Isn't God's law you zealously, passionately observe? Isn't God your king? We have no king but Caesar. In their desperation to destroy Jesus, they betray themselves, they betray their faith, they betray their history, they betray their God. Friends, Jesus is the light and the truth of the world. But if you insist on looking for thorns, insist on rejecting Jesus, you will end up twisting the truth and betraying your very self. 
So is that what you're looking for today? Thorns. Now, my guess is very few of you are like that. Very few have come in here really angry at Jesus. There might be a few, but not many. No, no, we're more like Pilate, aren't we? So let's leave the front of stage. Let's leave the shouting and the threats and the violence outstage and come inside, backstage, into the cool and quiet of the Roman palace for this conversation between Jesus and Pontius Pilate. Now, this is a compelling conversation, isn't it? Two kingdoms stand face to face. Jesus, the light and the truth of the world, the good shepherd, the son of God, stands face to face with Pilate who represents the Roman Empire, the greatest empire the world had ever seen. Two kingdoms face to face. Oh, to be a fly on the wall with that conversation. Oh, but we can, can't we? John 18 and 19. And the conversation goes back and forth between Pilate and Jesus. And very quickly, Pilate realizes that Jesus is no revolutionary. He's no troublemaker. He's not the criminal that the religious leaders have said that he is. There's something about Jesus that he can't shake. Verse 33. Pilate went inside, back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Pilate, are you asking for yourself because you want to know, or are you doing it because others have told you? Pilate keeps pushing. Am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. I am a king, but like no other king you have ever known. My kingdom is not built, Jesus says, with swords and armies, but with truth and grace and love. So Pilate keeps pressing. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. This is the crucial point, isn't it? This is the moment of decision. This is where we hold our breath and our heart starts racing and sweat breaks out on our palm. The camera zooms in on Pilate's face and we lean forward in our chairs and we wait for the answer. Because Jesus had said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He is the source of truth. Everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me, Jesus said. So, so, Pilate, do you want truth? Are you interested in truth, Pilate? Are you searching for truth? Because here he is. Jesus is standing right in front of you. Ask him your questions about truth. Those questions burning inside you, the ones that keep you awake at night. Everyone who is on the side of truth listens to me, says Jesus. And what does Pilate say? What is truth? retorted Pilate. Oh, no. That's devastating, isn't it? The truth stands in front of him and he evades, deflects, avoids. And so then he's trapped. Chapter 19, verse 12. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. See the threat there? Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. He wants to set Jesus free, but they corner him, they manipulate him, they play him. 
Once you've given up truth, what is truth, you have no ground to stand on and it's just games and politics and manipulation. Do you see the tragedy here? You you can be like Pilate. You can be sympathetic to Jesus, impressed by Jesus, intrigued by Jesus, drawn to Jesus, be so close and still not get it. Still seeing pebbles instead of pearls. So what are you looking for today? Let's come back to those final words of Jesus again. It is finished. They're not words of despair and hopelessness. It's not, oh, I'm finished. And they're not words of revenge and aggression. You're all finished. No, they're words of wonderful fulfillment and victory. It is finished. We read earlier in John's Gospel, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We perish, we stand condemned, as it says there in the reading, because we reject God. We cut ourselves off from the God of the universe. It's our ignoring of God, our trivializing of God, our dismissing of God, our patronizing of God that we come to Christmas, we come to church maybe at Easter and Christmas and give God no other thought the rest of the year and we think somehow that will impress him. It's what the Bible calls sin. And Jesus came to rescue us from that, set us free from that. So on the cross, Jesus cried out, it is finished. I've done it. There is hope. So what are you looking for today? Those words of Jesus, it is finished, are so wonderful, so powerful that I have to press you for an answer. What are you looking for today? What are you hoping to find today? It is reported that the Buddha's last words were, work hard to gain your salvation. Work hard to gain your salvation. The Eightfold Path to Enlightenment is so difficult. You have to work hard. You have to strive without ceasing. Now, that's not having a particular go at Buddhism. It's the problem with all religion, isn't it? All religion says you have to do it. You have to strive without ceasing. You have to work for your salvation. So is that what you've come looking for today? More advice, more pressure, more guilt to make you work harder. But Jesus' final words on the cross as he died were not, you have to do it. Strive without ceasing. No, his words were, I have done it. It is finished. It is done. So what are you looking for today? In the words of Isaac Lichtenstein, I looked for thorns and gathered roses. I discovered pearls instead of pebbles, instead of hatred, love, instead of vengeance, forgiveness, instead of bondage, freedom, instead of pride, humility, instead of death, life, salvation, resurrection, heavenly treasure. Another Easter comes and another Easter goes. Will you keep on striving without ceasing, working hard for your own salvation? 
or will you trust in Jesus? Rest in his victory. It is finished. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you so much for those words of Jesus on the cross. It is finished. We thank you that because they represent that he had done the work of salvation for us. There is no need to strive without ceasing, no need to work hard for our salvation because it is finished. So, Lord, I know you're a big God, big and powerful. You can do all things. And so I want to pray now a big prayer. I want to ask that no person would leave this building this morning without knowing that Jesus has finished it all, that he's paid it all, that there is forgiveness and new life in him freely offered. I want to ask that no person would leave this building without knowing that, without taking hold of that, without living freely in that. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.